Hello and welcome to another ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and this week ahead of the two ATP 500s in Basel and Vienna, we hear from three Grand Slam champions and four Masters 1000 winners, plus world number three Casper Ruud, David Goffin, Seb Korda and more. But we start right at the top of the game. Ursin Caderas has been speaking with world number one and US Open champion Carlos Alcaraz about his life and his goals since that groundbreaking win in New York. I feel normal, honestly, and uh, could sound strange. I feel I feel normal. I feel the same the same kid, the same guy. And uh, of course, it's uh, great to to achieve what I achieved in in US Open and number one of the world. But uh, I feel I feel the same. Of course, you have to to have time to celebrate with uh, your close people. But uh, I mean, just uh, some days, you know, not not too much uh, from. Uh, from that, uh, just you have to keep focus on on your on your goals and uh, keep keep training. Uh, does this feel like a movie? What you've achieved this year? Probably, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, let's say I'm dreaming all, all this year, and uh, yeah, probably I'm in a movie right now. <laughs> Was the number one ever a target for you this year? Not this year, honestly. Uh, I mean. I've, uh, I think I said at the beginning of the year or the uh, at the end of the, the last year that my goal uh, this year is to end between the first 15 players. Now I'm number one, so this uh, is crazy for me. I, I've, I've never thought that I'm going to achieve uh, the number one this, uh, this soon. For the first time in 22 years, two players from the same country making up the first two spots in the ranking together with Rafa, what does that mean to you? Well, it means a, a lot to, to be part of the Spain history, you know, to uh, have as well Rafa over there. Uh, for me, it's, uh, it's crazy uh, to, I mean, for me to be number one of the world, but of course to uh, Spain, to, to have two players in the, in the top is, uh, is crazy. And for me to, as I said, to be part of, of Spain, uh, Spain history is, is amazing. What are the perks, what are the advantages of being world number one? Is it just the seeding or you come into tournaments as number one seed or what are the other things that you get as number one? Well, probably the the trade of of the tournaments and the, the people is uh, probably different, but uh, I mean, mm, nothing changed at all. At all. I, as I said, I'm the I feel the same the same guy, the same player. So I go to a tournaments, uh, I mean, doing the the same things. Uh, for me, never uh, well, nothing changed. Except your your face is much bigger on the posters. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably, yeah. Some months ago, I I don't see myself in the in the post when I'm going uh, going into into a tournament, and now probably my, my face is older. Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, what are your targets now for the rest of the year? I mean, you've you've got the slam, you got uh, world number one. What else? Uh, I mean, to end number one of the world this year, this is uh, my goal to, uh, from, from now to, to end of the year. I have uh, some good tournaments ahead and uh, yeah, my target is uh, doing uh, the best of, of mine, of myself, you know, in that, in that tournament and uh, be able to, to end the, 
into a number one or door. Carlos Alcaraz with Ursin Caderas. And from the young Spaniard to the man he beat in that US Open final. Casper Ruud has been speaking with Lee Goodall about booking his place at a second successive Nito ATP finals. And it's all come slightly easier to him than it did 12 months ago. Yeah, it feels uh, it feels great. Uh, last year was uh, a crazy race uh, towards the end there, and um, was four players. I was one of them who were sort of racing to to for the last two spots, and it came down to to Paris, one of the last weeks of the year, and we were all watching each other, seeing how the race would uh, turn out. But this year, I've been able to reach it already, so that's a very nice feeling. I have weeks to sort of prepare and know that it's going to be like. Um, I guess a treat to go there. Uh, I guess that's how you can say it. If you've done well during the year, you sort of get get it as a dessert to be able to go and uh, dessert of the year. And uh, yeah, it feels great. I feel very, very happy about it. Last year, we were a great group of players and uh, I was saying to myself, you know, I better enjoy it because you never know, this might be the last time you ever get to, to be here. So uh, to be able to reach it again the year after is a, is a great achievement for me. It's been an amazing year, as we all know. Two Grand Slam finals, world number two ranking as well. What were your goals at the start of the season, I wonder? And, and how much have you surprised yourself in, I'm assuming, surpassing them this year? Yeah, it's been just one accomplishment after the other, sort of. And things have turned out um, in a very good way for me, uh, personally, uh, in terms of rankings and results and everything. So much better than what I expected. Um, after last year, I sat down with myself, first of all, and then with my team, and we went over you know, what this year's goals and plans were. And um, uh, tennis is a sport you cannot really plan because you never know what's going to happen. There are no guarantees here. But um, one of the goals was to just keep your ranking within the top 10 because I broke into the top 10 last year, and I knew that this year was going to be very challenging because breaking into it is obviously tough, but then the goal is to stay there for a long time. And that's what you've seen with the uh, Rafa, Novak, <laughs> Roger and big players that have been able to stay there for such a long time is what I think is impressing me a lot. So, um, or has impressed me a lot. So that's a goal for me as well, to be able to be here for and stay there for many years in a row, hopefully, if I'm you know, not injured and things go, my well, uh, go well. So I knew that this year was going to be very important for me. And then I've been just, just been able to do even better than what I did last year and um, climb to a higher ranking of number two, which uh, seems a little bit surreal sometimes. But, you know, I'll take it. I, I, I'm enjoying it. And um, let's see how I can finish the year. Just a, a quick look back on the US Open where you played some amazing tennis, amazing <laughs> adventure you had. Where, in the sport, we're always looking for improvements and developments, and we often talk about your hardcore game a lot and yep. how, the, how that's moved on. Uh, what, what was your assessment of that journey in New York that you, that you enjoyed in, in that respect? Well, yeah, I mean, in the beginning of the tournament, I was a little bit um, sort of excited, but also nervous to see how I, was, how I was playing. I didn't have the greatest result in Cincinnati. I lost my first match there, and I had, you know... 10 days of no matches before going into US Open, which can be sometimes a um, little challenging, but at other times very good because you get good practice days and you feel like you can work on things in your game that you don't necessarily do during a tournament. So in this case, I was able to turn it around in my favor and I felt very fit, strong and 
after my first round, I feel, felt like I was playing well. The courts were playing fast, so it wasn't like I didn't feel too comfortable right away, but I was able to be on site for many days before starting the tournament. And then, you know, looking back to the, to uh, the matches that I played, I just kept on playing better and better. But at the same time, the draw obviously opened up a little bit with players losing earlier than maybe what you would expect. And on the way to the final, I was on paper the, the favorite to win every match that I played. And I was able to keep my... Uh, status as the favorite in those matches and win them and just realizing that you know the draw is opening up and um, just try to seize the opportunity and and I was able to do do that so I was uh, very proud about it and happy that I was able to seize another opportunity to have a great result in the Grand Slam and honestly back to what you really asked about the goals for the year and I think one of the biggest goals for me this year was to reach at least or one Grand Slam quarterfinal it was like the high the big goal for me and I was able to uh, reach two obviously and two finals even so it's just been going much better than I uh, than I imagined. Casper Ruud with Lee Goodall and only Alcaraz will outrank him in Basel this week but he will face an almighty battle in the first round drawn as he is against three-time Grand Slam champion and something of a local hero, Stan Wawrinka, who's been testing his powers of recall with ATP Uncovered. From Switzerland, Stan Wawrinka! So Stan, we have a little career quiz for you here today. How do you think you're going to do? I have no idea. I'm looking forward to hear that. Who was your first ATP match win against? <laughs> In Stadt? was not. No, it was in uh, Amersfoort. It was there? Yes. It was against Hugo Amarando. Exactly. 6-4-6-4. Who was the first top 10 player that you ever beat? I thought they'd be easy. It's too far. Come on, I'm too old for that. It's been on too, too long. You've had a very long career with a lot of good victories, so it's uh, hard to remember some of the earlier yeah, ones. I know, it's tough. Tell me. It was US Open 2005. Mariano Puerta? Yes. It's always special. As a tennis player, when you arrive on tour, there's uh, numbers that are always special when you enter top 100, when you enter top 50, when you beat someone from the top 100, top 50 and top 10, of course, that's the ultimate goal. <laughs> I can't believe he hit it there! <laughs> Not a kid at all. Next one for you, your first ATP Tour title. Uh, that was uh, Umag against Novak, 2006. I had to stop uh, the match in the tiebreak of the first set, 3-1 in the tiebreak. Uh, he had some uh, problem of uh, hurt, uh, Novak. I remember the week was amazing. I think I beat uh, Del Potro and Cilic that week, but uh, it was a strange ending for a first title. What player that's active right now have you played the most times in your career? The most times? Maybe Novak? It is Novak. Do you know how many, maybe? I would say uh, 36. 28. 28. 28. Probably 26 to 2 for him, but... <laughs> How many ATP titles do you have? 16. Exactly. What season did you win the most titles? 15. It is. This is kind of a trick question because you have two seasons that you've won the same amount of titles. 15 and 16 were your two most title years. How many times have you played the Nito ATP Finals? Uh, four times. Exactly. Do you know the years? 13, 14, 15, 16. Exactly. All right, I feel like your score is going up now. It's getting better. 
between 2014 and 2016, you were pretty much unbeatable in finals. Do you know how many finals you won in a row during that span? 11. Care to take a shot at naming all 11? I can maybe probably get a few, but not all. 14 Chennai, Australian Open, Monte Carlo. Now we're going back to 2015, so... Chennai. Yep. Uh, Chennai French Open, Tokyo. Yep. Chennai. Yep. <laughs> then I have US Open. Yep. Uh, three more in there. Three more in there. I don't have them. The other three were Dubai, Geneva, and Rotterdam. Dubai, Geneva, and Rotterdam, yeah. You did pretty good out of those. During that stretch, what was the biggest ATP title you won? Monte Carlo. Do you remember who you beat to win that title? There is Cilic, there is David Ferrer, Raonic, Roger, and uh, one more missing. Almargo. Almargo, yes. That's pretty good memory. When did you officially change your name from Stanless to Stan on the ATP? 14. Exactly. Okay. That's kind of synonymous with you now, Stan the Man. Indian Wells in 2017, after that final, you gave a very funny speech after the final. Do yeah. you remember some of the things? I do remember, but I'm not allowed to say on TV, so. I would like to congratulate Roger. He's laughing, he's an <laughs> but it's okay. I wasn't that nice to Roger, but. It was all in good joking, though. Exactly. After you won the US Open, you went on a late night talk show. Do you remember which one it was? Which one? Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, yeah. Do you remember what you did on the show? Wii Tennis. Who won the Wii Tennis? I lost, got killed. All right, good job, how do you think you did? Not bad, it's too long, too far away. That's a sign of a great career, Stan. Thank you. <laughs> and from one Swiss favorite to another. It's very uh, tough competition out there. As I said, I have watched him a couple of times. He can play some big-time tennis. Roger and Stan, uh, they have been uh, in front of me, and uh, it was a great thing for me to, to learn from the best. I had some issues with my, my body and with my health. Then I needed to get it going again, to build everything basically from zero. I was stuck for a while. I mean, that's his personality. Real emotion from him. It takes also time to learn uh, who you really are. Try and build a bit of confidence right now. I just feel like there is still a few things I can do and to, to improve in my tennis. There it is, and there's a reaction. I'm Henry Laksonen, and this is my mentality. And there it is, another one of those blistering forehands. And Henry Laksonen is into his first ATP World Tour semi-final. Roger and Stan, uh, they have been uh, in front of me, and uh, I think it's great uh, for Switzerland to have uh, such a great players. I was in the same Davis Cup team uh, a couple times when they were playing. I could learn a lot when they were practicing or playing matches, what they are doing. That helped me a lot. Both of them, uh, they were very helpful, giving me advices, or if I had questions, I could always ask them. It was a great thing for me to, to learn from the best. I think it helped me in the long run. Wow. There it is. 
Fantastic from uh, Henry Laxonen. I think for for every tennis player, when you are a kid, the uh, dream is to be number one. For sure, my big goal was to to once achieve uh, top 100, which I did. The first time it happened, I was very happy with that achievement, and uh, I tried to, to do more than that, of course. But that was the, the biggest goal when I, uh, when I was like 18, to try to achieve uh, top 100. It's very uh, tough competition out there. So many great players and uh, it took a while to, to get to the top 100. I was trying to, to practice a lot and uh, do the right things. I, I think I could get uh, rather fast to challengers and then that gave a lot of confidence as, as well for me. That's a terrific shot to finish. How brave was that on match point? The win of his year, one of the wins of his life here in Switzerland. The wild card from Switzerland takes out the number six seed. It takes also time to, to learn uh, who you really are, to see what you enjoy. I felt also that time when I was stuck in the ranking that uh, it's not uh, the best ranking I could achieve. My coaches were saying the same, that there is more tennis inside me than uh, 300 or 200 ranked. I was believing in that one and uh, I have been always trying to, to work hard and I enjoy it. I was lucky and uh, I had some good results which gave me confidence and uh, I think uh, that helps you through hard times. I, I probably have now the, the highest ranking, but uh, I still feel like there is uh, a room for improvement and maybe my ranking can improve. I, I just feel like there is still a few things I can do and to, to improve in my tennis. If results will follow, then uh, I don't know that one, but uh, I, I feel like I can do a few things better. Oh, that is sensational tennis. It's been a mixed season for former world number seven, David Goffin. The Belgian reached the quarterfinals on home soil in Antwerp this week, struck gold on the clay in Marrakesh and made it through to the quarterfinals at Wimbledon. But 12 first round losses have marred the scorecard somewhat. Still, he's determined to look at the positives. I think during my career, I learned a lot. This young man has been plagued by problems in the last 18 months or so. It's not going to happen, it has. The towel has been thrown on the court. To manage the time off when you're injured, to manage the pressure too, you know, when you play some uh, big matches, so you learn a lot. Well, it didn't need to be that close to the line. Come on, man. So annoying. I'm annoyed for Goffin. The frustration when you're injured is not easy. Try to be focused on the what, what's next. Oh, let's just go find And he does the hard work himself. Seeing is believing. Hi, this is David Goffin, and this is what I've learned. I try to do my best every day in practice and in competition to do uh, the best I can in my career. When you're younger, sometimes you just don't realize. You just uh, hit some balls, you just win matches, and you just 
don't realize what you're doing. Oh, what a pass. Oh, incredible. David Goffin will become the newest member of the world's top ten. When you do uh, something for the first time or a big result for the first time in your country, then you start to think, what should I do now? Should I go for more or is it enough? Or you, you don't know where to go after that sometimes. Sometimes you just have to, to, to continue week after week and try to go as far as you can in your career. Oh, scintillating stuff from Goffin. When you get older, you just realize how tough it is. It's tougher physically. When you're more than 30, you start to feel uh, pain that you never felt before. And all of a sudden, you realize that what you just did a few years before, it's tough. So you just enjoy when you feel great physically. You just enjoy when you feel great on the court. Because when you're younger, you just don't realize. You just play, you run, you hit. You just enjoy differently when you, you are older. Oh, my word. I like to talk about those matches, but uh, I don't watch them. Sometimes, yes, I see on the on social media some great points coming on my uh, on my phone, but uh, I just try to be focused on the what, what's next. Of course, the past is important, but now I try to relieve those moments. We try to relieve the big moments on the courts. That's why I work now and try to enjoy even more. I think you just have to have the right goal to give you the fire to continue, just to know why you, you continue to work and why you continue to travel and why you continue to fight on the court and that's, that's really important. For me, the, that moment of my career has tried to come back at my best level, to come back 100% physically during one year and let's see where I am at the end of the year when you want to go back uh, straight to the to your best level and to the to the big tournament to the competition so it takes time uh, most of the time after a big uh, big injury a current medical assessment being made prior to what we would imagine will either be a medical timeout or him having to step out I had some uh, strange injuries I had the ankles twice on the grass and of course the the biggest it was in uh, the French Open in 2017 with the cover behind uh, the court. It arrived at the best moment in my career. I mean, when, at the moment I played uh, my best tennis probably in 2017. And uh, of course I recovered really, really well to, to finish that year really strong. Ladies and gentlemen, with the first Belgian to qualify for the NITO ATP Finals, David That's huge. World class. He takes down the world number one on his debut here. Oh, he's cleaned that. A little bit of wizardry. David Goffin records a first ever win over Roger Federer. What a year it's been for him. Pound for pound, one of the best in the world. The year after in 2018, uh, it was in Rotterdam, and I took uh, a ball in my eye. Oh, oh my word, oh. taken this. It took time to come back on the court with a perfect vision. You have to be patient, uh, and that's the key to, to come back earlier. He's done it. The arms go aloft. Yes, David, 
Seven, you are six, a champion six, once six, again. Five, seven, what a comeback from Goffin. I've learned a lot, of course, for my uh, in my career, for my life. I think uh, you have to you know when you are a tennis player, you manage like a small company, and this is something that uh, you have to learn fast because when you are 21, you already have uh, people around you that you hire, and this is something that you learn also with uh, family, with uh, girlfriend. I'm, I'm I'm married now, so it's. It's part of my career, and it's uh, and you have to to learn how to manage everything around tennis, and uh, and it's not easy. I wouldn't change anything about my career. Well, just uh, enjoy every moment of the of the beginning of my career. I just uh, I gave everything in practice. I tried to invest in my career to uh, to improve every day, and uh, and uh, so I've. No regret for the moment. I would love that uh, people remember the most important thing is the the person I am. After that, the game, the game style. I hope, of course, they love my game style. They remember the way I. I'm playing, but uh, it's more about the person I was on the tour, and I'm still on the tour, and uh, and uh, and hopefully they will remember me for that. David Goffin with ATP Uncovered, and while he takes on one young American, Brandon Nakashima, in the first round in Basel. Another, Seb Corder, arrives in Switzerland fresh from the final in Antwerp, where he lost out to Felix Auger-Aliassime. Corder's form improving all the time, and when Jill Krabus met with him recently, she asked if that might have something to do with the reaction training he's been doing using 3D glasses. I do that kind of six days a week, basically. You know, it's just kind of 15 minutes at night or during the day, kind of just... I think you have like eight balls and you gotta like track four of them and it just like throws it around everywhere and you do like certain speeds. Um, so yeah, that's I've been doing that for the last year or so, kind of okay. just to get my eyes better in, in any way that I possibly can to return uh, uh, return serve a little better. Has that? Do you feel like it's made an impact? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely your eyes are, are definitely one thing that you should definitely train, and, and I think it's it's really helped me with uh, with my speed on on court and kind of just using my brain a little bit better. Yeah, I was I was curious about this because. Do you get tested at certain moments to see if it has changed your reaction time or anything like that? Uh, yeah, no, you definitely do kind of like testing I do in the, in the Czech Republic with a, with a couple of guys and kind of just see how I'm progressing and if we can add different stuff into it, tougher stuff. So it's uh, it's, it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's good fun. You know, I think it, it really helps me. The other thing I want to talk about is that impresses me as I watch you play is like how calm, obviously, your demeanor is. You You've credited your mother quite a bit for that and also your opponents can't pick up what's happening do, do you feel like you can read your opponents well as as far as like demeanor and reactions and yeah I think I have a, a pretty good knowledge I could you could say about kind of just reading the opponent what he's what he's feeling you can definitely also see with the score line how some people play different um, you know if it's if it's uh, if they're really in trouble, they start to do different things. You can kind of like smell on it, like blood in the water, kind of like a shark. So it's um, yeah, it's definitely something that I, I feel I do pretty well, and, and 
hopefully I just kind of get better at it as I go. Is that something that came naturally to you all the time, or did you have to work on that? No, definitely, I think kind of just the more you play, the, the more you understand tennis, the more you understand your opponents, and I think just experience kind of just helps you with that. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Poland's Hubert Hurkacz takes his place in Vienna this week, looking to put himself in the best place possible to qualify for a second successive NITO ATP Finals. Hurkacz has flourished alongside coach Craig Boynton and this year won a first title on grass in Halle before etching his name in tennis history by ending Roger Federer's Wimbledon career. But that is all now in the past. It's Turin that's foremost in his mind. I mean, that would be that would be something amazing to, to, to play there again, to you know, to, to have a chance to play it in, in in front of such a such a great crowd in Turin, and that's uh, that was uh, you know definitely something uh, you know that I was dreaming about as a as a kid when I was young, watching you know all the guys play, just eight people qualify to the final, so that would be that would be something special to. To play there again. Carlos Alcaraz has been on an amazing run these last few months and in the last um, couple of years. Does his success, he's six years younger than you, does he? Does his success motivate you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great for tennis to, to, to you know, have uh, such, a, such a great personality, personality as, as Carlos coming up and, uh, you know, he won, he won a yourself the Open title becoming number one player in the world so so that's something special and uh, he's just uh, also a great person on the court as well he you know he he wants to he wants to win fairly like uh, i played him in miami and uh, there was like a situation when like the, the umpire said it was double bounce which it uh, which it wasn't and carlos like admitted that and we replayed the point so you know i didn't even I didn't i didn't ask carlos to to do that because i know okay yeah it wasn't but uh, but yeah, but nothing you can do. So that was that was super nice gesture, and uh, you know that's that's what he's all about. So that's that's really great uh, that that we have uh, such a person in the, in our sport. So little moments like that. How much mm-hmm. does that make you respect someone even more? It it does. I mean those those you know those little things at the end make uh, I think make uh, make a big difference as a you know it shows shows him what what personality what what person he is. Mm-hmm. Um, your name has come up lots over the last couple of weeks as well because you were the player who retired Roger Federer from Grand Slam tennis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it had to be someone at the end, but yeah, obviously, obviously, you know, wanted wanted the Roger to play way longer than this, but uh, you know, it's it's not easy, and uh, I mean, he had such an incredible career. I mean, he inspired so many, so many people. On the tennis court and off the court, with with his you know attitude, with his approach to the game, the the, the class he showed on the court and off the court, and uh, you know I was definitely looking up to him. He was he was my favorite player. So to have a, to have a chance to play against him, that's uh, that was always my dream as a, as a child, and I knew it's you know might be might be tough but at the end uh, I was able to play him two times and that's uh, that's something I was I was dreaming about and uh, you know he's so special on the court the, the way he makes the decisions the the commitment that he has it's just uh, just incredible so that match at Wimbledon uh-huh. last year that three set win straight sets um, to know that this was Federer's final 
Grand Slam match after 24 years. Does that make your memory even more special? I mean, yeah, at the end I'll, I'll be, you know, the, the last person that, uh, that play against Roger at, at Wimbledon. So, so it's very, spe very, very special and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, the, the, the chances are, are quite small <laughs> to, 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 to be that person, but, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the, the memory is, is, is special and I'll, I'll never forget to, to, to play Roger at, uh, at Wimbledon on, on the center court with the, with the full crowd mm -hmm. and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's something that just stays in your mind and, uh, and just a special you know, just a special moment to, to you know, to, to witness him playing, uh, playing on, uh, and play against him in, in Wimbledon. One of the main attractions in Vienna this week is sure to be local boy, former US Open champion, Dominic Thiem. He reached the semi-finals in Antwerp before taking the short flight home. Kate Flory was with him as he packed his bags. Let's see what we have in my bag. First item here, it's my Remarkable. You know this or no? No, I don't. What's the Remarkable? It's like, uh, it's a tablet, but you can write on it like on paper. And I really like to write stuff on uh, real paper and this is perfect for traveling. What sort of things do you like to write, Dominic? Well, when I'm learning some stuff or when I find some interesting stuff or like um, great restaurants in, in cities. You've been learning Italian? Exactly, yeah. So all the stuff is on there. What else we have here? My good old iPad. <laughs> I think it's still it's perfect to, to watch movies and to surf in the internet. It's just uh, way more comfortable for the eyes also than, than the phone. This one is actually already pretty old, I think three years, but still doing the job and it's coming with me everywhere. What have you watched lately that you've enjoyed that you'd recommend to fans? Uh, lately I've watched uh, the latest season of Elite and then there's one series called Wild Babies. It's about like uh, animal babies, it's really interesting. So that's, that's the stuff I was watching lately. Great, okay, what's next? That's a racket with a broken string. I'm traveling now with five rackets, but um, Grand Slam six, because five or best of three sets is enough. Here I've got like a reusable uh, water bottle. I started to travel with that one because I think, yeah, you can just save a lot of plastic with this one. And uh, now before the tournament is starting, I'm, I'm always asking if I can drink the, the water from the tap. And yeah, I try to figure out a way now in countries where the tap water is not that great, how to still can use it. Here I've got uh, my sunglasses. I, I love sunglasses, I have like 50 at home, but 50 I would say, yeah. And uh, I always try to look for special ones. Um, this one is actually made out of uh, fishing nets. So this is uh, really, really cool. Also for a good cause, I would say, from Clean Waves is the brand. I've got really cool sunglasses also from like recycled vinyls and uh, cool stuff. I love my sunglasses. What else we've got here? Chewing gums. True gum, I don't know if you know it. It's know. tasting very good, plastic-free, compostable, so you can okay. just spit it out, it's perfect. Go a little ball for, uh, I don't know, playing some football in the room. It's always with me. You got any tricks with that, Dominic? Uh, not with that one, it's too small. Just, yeah, it's soft, so I cannot destroy anything in the room. Yeah, this one is 
that's my soap. It's empty now, but um, I love to travel with a soap. In Vienna, there's a really cool store, uh, soap made in Vienna. So I don't need to use all the, all the shower gels and everything. So that's, uh, that's always in my bag. How important is sustainability to you, Domi? I guess we're seeing with your items here that it's something you're passionate about. Yeah, you see mostly sustainable stuff. Uh, it's not easy, I'm not having a sustainable job, <laughs> you know, with, with playing tennis. But I try to do whatever I can uh, with, with small things. Yeah, trying to improve something every day and uh, that's, that's what I try to do and I hope the whole tour and in general the whole world is getting uh, more sustainable. That's the Together Band Ocean Bracelet. It's uh, made out of uh, ocean plastic. Um, I don't know from who is the initiative, but you can share it with two people. Um, so I'm still waiting for the other two. <laughs> this one is also, it's like a recycled gold bracelet and uh, that's a Rolex bracelet. We got the yeah. <laughs> Do you, um, do you like to buy souvenirs? Like, do you like to get things to remember the places you've been? Yes, I love it. Um, but same again, I try to look for sustainable shops. Um, this one was actually from a shop where they don't have one piece of plastic with only sustainable stuff. And when I see something I like and what's also sustainable or, or, or out of ocean plastic or whatever to do something good, I'll buy it probably. That's how I travel, guys, and I hope that you enjoyed that piece. Always a pleasure spending time with Dominic Team, and good luck to him on home soil this week. For all the latest from Vienna and Basel, head to atptour.com or the ATP WTA Live app. Keep an eye on the race to Turin. It's heating up for those final spots. And also on the race to Milan, where Jack Draper has become the first Brit to qualify for the next-gen finals. Remember to check out the podcast channel in the week for more exclusive interviews. Otherwise, we will catch up next week when we round up all the latest action and look ahead to the final Masters 1000 of the year in Paris. It's going to be big. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis.